Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jim Del Campo. I'm the senior pastor. It's good to be with you today. Uh, we're finishing up our series on, um, on Romans chapter 12. We're talking about living sacrifice. I want to point you to three things, though, before I uh, get into this. And that is, first off, if you attend our Tuesday night study and you weren't there last Tuesday, um, you're gonna need, we're going to take a break one Tuesday. You need to take, pick up a motivational gifts test from the Welcome Center, and, and you need to complete that test. Bring it Tuesday, and we're going to go over the motivational gifts of chapter 12 that I went over uh, two weeks ago, but very briefly, and you'll understand your motivation. So if you're a regular Tuesday nighter and you didn't, you weren't there last Tuesday, go pick up that test, or else it will not make very much sense to you that night. Um, also, tomorrow night here we have the Sexual Identity Seminar, and that is, uh, you have to register, it's free, but just go online and uh, go under An Evening with Joe Dallas and going to answer a lot of questions with what's been going on in our society with sexual identity because there's a lot of things being pushed out there now that are contrary to the scriptures obviously uh and so and no one under 13 and under can cannot attend they want to keep it more on the adult level so that's tomorrow night at seven and then next week we start a new series uh, out of the book of acts it's called the arrival and we're going to break that into four sections over a whole year every seven or eight chapters and then we're going to put a little, a little series in between each one. But we'll cover the whole book through one year of the book of Acts. And that should be a really good, really good series. So next week starts the arrival. Today I want to finish, and I want to talk to you about, in Romans 12, the last, you know, seven, eight verses. Uh, I, want, I call it the opposite. Question. Have you ever noticed, if you've read the Gospels, if you're at all familiar with them, have you noticed that Jesus lived a life that was opposite of the culture. Anybody notice that at all? Raise your hand if you notice that at all. He just lived a real opposite life. It was like what he did did not go along with what the people were doing. And so he makes these statements that are really for them, and I think for us too, it's kind of tough to swallow. He, he tells me things like turn the other cheek, right? That's a difficult statement, right? Then he tells them, you know, if somebody compels you to go one mile, go two. And that's all behind the fact that if a Roman soldier who were the power at the time, if they prodded you in the back with their spear, and they would tell you to pick up their gear by their law, you had to carry their gear one mile. And Jesus said, if they ask you to do that, go, go two. Overdo it. Go, go further than that. So he's telling you all these opposite things to do. And then he says, somebody asks for your coat, give them your cloak also. It's like, wow, really? Then he says things like, love your enemies. How many know that's not really easy to do? You know, pray for those who persecute you, et cetera, et cetera. Tells us to lay down our lives, you know, and not think of ourselves first. And so there's all these opposite things. And, uh, and yet, as he lived it, you see that it works, doesn't it? The opposite lifestyle really does work. Now, let me pinpoint it like this. Um, when Jesus came to earth, Jesus is eternal. He always was. He always existed. He created the entire universe. But when he visited his creation a couple thousand years ago, thereabouts, he took on human body. That's called the incarnation. So, incarnate. Carne means what? 
meat. So he took meat. He took flesh. God took a human body on at that time. Now, if you think about that, once you and I become followers of Christ, now the Spirit of God comes to live in us, and so we are little miniature incarnations because the Spirit takes on carne, takes on what? Meat. So when you think of your faith, don't think of it like me and God. Don't think of it like that because you're going to think separate like God's out here somewhere. No, God dwells in you, incarnation. And when God dwells in you, that changes everything because now God's heart becomes our heart. Amen to that one? And now when, it happen, when that happens, there should be some, well, there should be some evidence of that on a consistent basis and a growing evidence that now that I have God's heart, God dwells in me, incarnation, that means as I surrender now that the flow of Jesus Christ in every situation should come out of me. Correct? Does that make sense? And so we're little incarnations where the flow of Jesus comes. When we get bumped, my cup runneth over, the flow of Jesus should come flowing out of me. Now, opposite. I'm a, I'm a person, I love comedy. Anybody here like comedy at all? Raise your hand. I just want to know who I'm talking to. Okay, good. I, I, I like to go even online. I look for clean comedy stuff, and I'll watch it. I just like laughing. And, and when they're sarcastic, it's even better. I love sarcasm. And then when they pick out somebody out of the audience and pick on that person, it's even better, better, you know, for me. And I wish I was there and they were picking on me. It would just be the greatest thing because it doesn't offend me. I just want to laugh. And I like to be around people that like to joke around and laugh because I already lived most, a lot of my life dead serious. I don't want to be dead serious anymore. That was a dysfunction in me. And I like laughing. So I'm a real... Um, I'm a sitcom, comedy sitcom fan, not of every sitcom, but there are certain ones that I have loved over the years, and, uh, and there's one that has been my favorite for almost the last 30 years. Can you guess which one that is? I, I couldn't even pick out what that was. There was a, it's Seinfeld. I'm a, any Seinfeld fans here? Raise your hand. I want to know how many Seinfeld fans are Okay. There's very few going to heaven, okay. <laughs> so, but I'm a Seinfeld fan, always have been. In fact, my wife, I will, she's a Seinfeld fan also, I will talk to her in Seinfeld lines, okay? That's just what I do, and I, I like doing it, and we laugh and we giggle, and we've watched those shows, oh, babe, we probably watch each one 25 times, minimally, and so, and we laugh more and more every time. It just never gets old to us. Now, there are certain ones that are my favorites. And one of my favorites, how many know who George Costanza is, Seinfeld fans? He's like Mr. Neurotic, okay? He's like overreactive to everything. And, and George Costanza, there's this one episode where he finally comes to the realization, he's sitting there in the coffee shop with Jerry Seinfeld, his best buddy, and he says, you know, it's not working anymore. It's just not working anymore. And he admits that every decision he has ever made in his life has been wrong. Every decision. Every time that he figures out his own common sense and want to do something and he goes that way, it's been wrong. And so he finally decides, as they're dialoguing, that he's going to do the opposite. If, he's, if he decides he's going to do this, he'll do the opposite instead. If he says, I'm going to make this decision, he'll do the opposite of that instead. And it's so goofy because the first thing that he does, and if you Seinfeld fans, you know this, he stands up and there's a, he walks up to this woman and he wants to meet her and introduce himself. This is, now, this is him doing the opposite. 
He walks up to her and he says, hi, I'm George Casanza. I'm 35 years old, I'm unemployed, and I live with my parents. And she goes, hi, I'm Victoria. <laughs> and it's like, it, that should not have happened, right? But he did the opposite, and the opposite worked in his life. Jesus lived the opposite. In Romans 12, if you want to turn there, we're going to look at some opposite stuff. Because this really is living the opposite. I mean, this goes against the grain of who we are. And so today I've got three points for you. And then in point three, I'm going to take you to the Good Samaritan story, and we're going to drive that baby home in Luke chapter 10. But here we go, three things. Let's live the opposite. Number one, opposite living requires opposite thinking. And everybody said? And everybody said? Yeah, because you cannot live opposite if you don't think opposite, correct? Look at 14, 15, 16 of Romans chapter 12. Paul, the writer, says this. Or he writes this, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. Bless those who persecute you. That's opposite. Bless and do not curse. That's opposite. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I'll tell you why those are opposite in a second. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, bless those who persecute you. Is that opposite? Yeah. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Even when your life isn't going good and things are kind of sideways, but their life is going great, rejoice with them, right? That's opposite, isn't it? Now, weep with those who weep. If somebody's life is going kind of bad right now, weep with them. Don't sit there and say, uh, I know why this is happening to you. No, don't do that. Do the opposite. Have compassion. Weep with those who weep. Now, <clears throat> if you noticed when we read 14, 15, 16, specifically 16, because I kind of stopped, made real strong pronouncements, in verse 16, you will see the word mind one time. You will see the, mind, the word mind two times. And then at the end, you'll see own estimation, which has to do with the mind. That's the third time. And so now you see Paul, he is pushing this thinking process over again. Now, he's already done this two weeks ago when we studied the first part of Romans 12. Remember in chapter 12, verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. And the word world, there's the idea of the world system, the world's ideas, possibly the culture of everything. Do not be conformed to that because when Adam sinned, it says he handed everything over, this entire world, over to the power of the evil one, over the devil. So if you ever wonder why things are upside down, guess who's pulling the strings, okay? That's a spiritual reality right there. So Paul, he's telling us that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, so I've got to renew my mind so that I may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So I cannot live out God's will, good, acceptable, and perfect, unless my mind is transformed, correct? If my mind is conformed to the world system, I will never live out what's good, acceptable, and perfect. So there's a battle going on for our thinking, is there not? Now, Paul writes later in 2 Corinthians New Testament document, he writes this, 2 Corinthians 11, 3, he says, and would you read this with me? Here we go, 1, 2, 3. But I am afraid as the servant deceived by his... Okay, stop, there's like 12 of you reading, okay. 
Let's, look, we're not in second grade anymore. Okay, let's try it again. One, two, three. But I am afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, Paul says, you know, something's making me nervous here. And what's making me nervous is the way the serpent manipulated and deceived Eve. He got into her head. Now, when he used the word mind in that verse, it's the idea of mental perception. He got into her mental perception. He made her believe certain lies and different things. He twisted her thinking. And then by twisting it, then he leads that thinking astray. And the word astray means to waste. It wasted her thinking. It, it, it led it down the wrong road. Now, this thing with Eve, Adam and Eve, it happened uh, when they were created, after they were created, 6,000 years ago. Not millions of years ago, 6,000 years ago. Now, when that happened, this has been the, the MO of Satan within the, with the world system that he operates, that he's always trying to get into our thinking. Is he not? He's always trying to get in here because if he can get in here and mess it up, he'll mess up your relationships, he'll mess up your marriage, he'll mess up your kids, he'll mess up your parents, he'll mess up grandma, he'll mess up the job, he'll mess it all up. The thief comes to kill, still and to destroy, correct? So he's trying to get in there, weave himself in there to do that. In our day and age, you know, one of the ways he gets in, in today's age, uh, it would be like social media. I'm not against social media, I use social media. But you always got to be careful what's coming in. What do I mean? Not in your notes, but Proverbs 23, 7 says this. As a man thinks within himself, so he is. I like that verse because the word thinks means this. It means to act as a gatekeeper. Uh, so I'm to act as a gatekeeper of my mind because as I think in myself, I will live out that thinking, correct? So here's what it means. I hold the door to my mind. So do you. There will be things coming into my mind from all kinds of different directions. I don't have to let it take root. I can cast it away. And then I can shut the door to those things. But I hold the door. And I'm to let the right things in to renew my mind. I'm to really drench my mind with this stuff over everything else. I can't stop a lot of thoughts coming, but I don't have to sit there and let them fester and grow in me. Does that make sense? Now, here's the question on this one right here. <clears throat> have you ever noticed that um, when the Bible teaches a certain thing that's opposite of the way you and I live, you ever notice initially it feels wrong? Raise your hand. It feels wrong. The rest of you, every time you read the Bible, go, oh, that feels right. Come on, let's be honest, right? Raise your hand. You know when it, when it, it feels wrong. Okay, good, good. So there's like 20 of you honest right now. Okay, good. It feels wrong. It, you know, there's certain things when I drag go, that feels wrong. But it's the Bible, so I know it's what? Right, let me show you. This even happened to the early disciple apostles in Acts chapter 10. We're going to read 9 through 17. This is Peter. He's like the top gun, okay? He's like the guy. Now watch this guy who preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people saved, church is born. He's having a problem with some stuff that God is telling him. Now look in Acts 10, verse 9, 17. Watch this. On the next day as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He goes up on the rooftop to pray. Notice, rooftops, good for Peter, bad for King David. Amen? Now, verse 11. 
Or verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 10. Verse 10. Back up, back up. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while... The, and you ever notice when you're praying, there's all kind of, I'm starving, I'm this, I'm that. You ever notice that? But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. It doesn't mean he's like, ooh. It doesn't mean that, okay? It just means getting a vision here. And he saw the sky opened up. And an object like a great sheet's coming down. He sees this vision. This sheet's coming down. Lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals. So on top of the sheet, all these animals. And crawling creatures of the earth. And birds of the air. So it's got all these animals there. A voice comes to Peter and says, here's the voice. It says, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Peter says... Oh, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. So hold it right there, guys. You know what I like about that? Because, see, Peter couldn't eat pork. Yeah, there was again. Now God declares everything. You can eat whatever you want. I'm thankful because I like baby back ribs, carnitas, pork chops you name it I like it the only thing I don't like about pork is I don't like ham okay and the ham how many of you like the ham what's your problem none I don't know something about it doesn't sit everybody likes it but I, I just don't it just doesn't it doesn't look right okay now um, verse 16 I think is where I'm at yeah this happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Verse 17. Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, this is a great part of the story we're going today, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. Now, here's Peter. The question is this. God's trying to get him past the point. His problem is this. His problem is he is supposed to reach into the whole world and spread the gospel to everyone. But he has a problem. He has been cultured, raised up in the system he grew up in, in the ethnicity he grew up in, that you do not reach out to, you don't deal with Gentiles. Because, I'm a Gentile. If you're not Jew, you're a Gentile. Because they are unclean. And if you happen to touch them or touch anything they touch, you're unclean. And this is the way he was cultured. The way he brought up is the way the system was. Everything. You, don't, you, don't, you don't go around these people. God is trying to break through that mind of Peter because he's got to reach the whole world now. This gospel has got to go out everywhere. Now, here's my question if you caught it. How many times did the sheet come down? Three. Three times. Did he get it the first time? Did he get it the second time? Did he get it the third time? I would say no. Because even after that, it says he's what? Perplexed in, in mind. It's like, what's going on? This is, I, I just don't get what's going on here. And so he's having a real struggle with this thing. And what's God trying to do? God is trying to clean out his old thinking and give him new thinking so he can reach out and reach people for Jesus Christ. So he needs opposite thinking. If we don't have opposite thinking according to the scriptures, we will never live out or live out the incarnation of Jesus, the flow of life coming out of us. Now, that's your first thing. 
The second thing is this in your notes. Opposite thinking leads to compassionate action. Now, this is huge. Now, let's look at verse 20. Watch this. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Interesting verse, huh? If your enemy's hungry and thirsty, what are you and I supposed to do? And it said enemy, huh? That's a part. Oh, yeah, really? You gotta, yeah, you do that for them. Now, when you read a verse like, just to be honest, think of the tone in which you think Paul is saying it. Is he saying, when you give him this stuff, in so doing, you'll heat burning coals on his head. How many hear it like that? Just be honest. Raise your hand. Come on, I want to know. Raise your hand. You hear it like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Now let me tell you what this means. Because you got to go into the first, the hearers of this, what, what that meant to them. Because you and I are watching this. How many of you last night, you cooked something on the stove? Okay, you cooked something. Okay, you did. That, that many don't cook? Wow, okay. Okay, wow. Jim Del Taco's right down by my house. Um, okay, when you cook in the stove, you turn on the, in the flame, right? It's like magic, huh? Okay, how many of you in the wintertime, you go up to the thermostat and you flick it, or maybe you have a smart thermostat, but you flick it to heat and your house warm, starts warming up. How many do that? Okay. Now, you and I live today, and we can do those types of things, but they didn't have that back then. And so a fire in that home was very important. If the fire goes out, it's trouble. They need that fire. So what would happen when the fire goes out? Well, the ladies typically, a lady would take a clay uh, vase. She'd take the hot embers, put them in the vase, put it on her head, walk it to her friend's house, give her the hot embers, or the friend would come over, you know, my fire went out, please can you help me? And she'd have her vase, and she'd give her hot embers, put it on her head, she'd walk it back to her house, and she'd get her fire going again. If you're carrying the vase with the embers inside of it, is your head warming up? That's right, it's warming up. And so what Paul is writing here, culturally, the way they, they understood it was, he's not doing it to burn this person up, He's doing this to warm the person. When you feed somebody, give them a drink, somebody who needs it, you're warming them. And why are you warming them? You're warming them to win them over to Jesus Christ because the flow of the incarnation of God is now flowing out of you. Amen to that one? Now, what's going on here is this, compassion. You would give them embers because you have compassion for these people. You're warming these people up. Compassion is important. You'll never have compassion unless you have opposite thinking. Because once you have opposite thinking, start thinking like Jesus and the flow of the incarnation comes out, now you have compassion towards other people. Very important. Remember the word compassion when we get to the Good Samaritan story. Now, we're going to number three now. Now let's pick it up. Number three is this. Compassionate action doesn't look for loopholes. Doesn't look for loopholes. Now I'm going to read 17 to 21. Watch. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. That's opposite, right? Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you and me, all of us Christians, be at peace with all men. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, right? 
We're to bring peace to every situation, not crisis, not drama, peace. Verse 19, never take your own revenge. That's opposite. Beloved, leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God's the only one who can repay correctly because God doesn't get all wound up and angry and everything else and all the dysfunctional emotions that flow out of us. Any amens of that one? So let him do it if it's going to be done. Verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. You're going to warm him. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with? With good. Wow, what a way to live. So opposite. I want you to notice this. Verse 17, he says, never. Verse 19, he says, never. Verse 21, he says, do not. He's telling you, you don't do these things. You do the opposite of these things. He's saying, don't find a loophole. Never do this. Never do that. Don't do that. Don't look for loopholes to get out of what I'm telling you to do right now. See, our inclination when somebody does something to us is to fight back, right? He's saying, no, 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 no. Do the opposite. Fight forward. Do the right thing. Have compassion. Warm your enemy. And so doing, you just might win them over to the kingdom of God. Don't look for loopholes. Now, let's go to Luke 10 to the story of the Good Samaritan, and we're going to look at a couple of guys who found loopholes in their own justification of their mind, and one guy who didn't look for a loophole, but lived it correctly and let the flow of God flow out of him. This is called the Good Samaritan story. And if you're new to the Bible, and you've heard the term Good Samaritan, know that we got that term in our world from this recorded story of Jesus. Okay? That's where it came from. Now here we go. We're going to read, I'm going to do commentary on 25 to 37. It says this. How many know it's dangerous for me to do 12 verses of commentary right there? <laughs> and a lawyer stood up and put him, put Jesus to the test. Same teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now a lawyer knows the law, Old Testament law. Okay, that's what he knows very well. Verse 26, and he, Jesus, said to him, what is written in the law? You're a lawyer, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? Verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Oh, the man knows the Old Testament law. He knows it's in the law right there. And Jesus is saying, or the man responds by saying, yeah, you're supposed to love God first and then love your neighbor as? Here's, a bet, here's the best way to understand that because John will, in 1 John, later with Pestle, will define it better. Here's how you know you love God. Here's the evidence that you and I love God. The evidence is that I love my neighbors. Loving my neighbors is the evidence that I love God. If I don't love people, zero evidence that I love God. Are you following me? Are you tracking on that one right there? So if you're holding a grudge and you have unforgiveness for 35 years or whatever it is, then you really can't love God with all your heart. So you gotta let it go. You gotta forgive. Well, Jim, they're just gonna, no, you don't let them do it to you again, but you forgive and you send away the emotions and you're able to operate and let the loving flow of the Spirit of God flow out of you, correct? Okay, good, we got that. Now, verse 28. And he said to him, Jesus comes on again, you have answered correctly. 
Do this and you will live. Now, that's not good enough for this lawyer. He wants more. So, verse 29, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? How many know you don't want to ask Jesus questions? Because he's going to tell you. you. You asked, here it is. He says, and who is my neighbor? Now, you could flip the question and say it like this, who isn't my neighbor? Right? So he's really trying to find out who is the one that I show love and everything to and who are the ones that I don't? Who's my neighbor? Who isn't my neighbor? That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a loophole, is he not? Jesus is going to block and close up all loopholes now. And the man doesn't even know what's going to come at him right now. So, read on in verse, in verse 30. It says, Jesus replied and said, now he's going to tell the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. Now let me give you the picture so you understand the geography of the situation and the climate and what's going on at that time. This road where this happens, it leads from Jerusalem, which is at 4,000 feet plus, to Jericho, moving down towards the Jordan Valley. It is 17 mile, it's a 17 mile walk. It drops 3,300 feet as you walk it. It's a businessman's road. So businessmen are carrying stuff, right? It's called the bloody way because a lot of these businessmen get jumped and beaten, as we'll see in the story, because robbers are hiding along the way. So it's a dangerous place to walk, but it's the road to Jericho, and they've, they've got to do that. So Jesus says, there's a man walking on the road, and he gets jumped, and they beat him, and they take everything he's got. Sounds like America today, right? We're like Wild West now, and it's because we've abandoned God, broken families, angry people, and the culture has no answer for it, except the same broken records. We have the answers to those, but they won't look at it that way. So the man gets beaten, jumped, they take everything, they strip him, he's naked. Now think about that. He's lying there naked. If you are a Jew walking by, you don't know if the man's, because he's naked. I don't know if he's Jewish. Is he a Gentile? Is he a Samaritan? Because a Samaritan is a half-breed, half-Jew, or part Jew, and part Assyrian, because the Assyrians invaded the northern kingdom of Israel, and they started to intermarry. So the Jews and Samaritans, they don't, oh, no, we don't deal with each other. Uh-uh. So now you add another piece of the puzzle, like, I don't know what this guy is. Now watch what goes on now, as Jesus continues to tell the story. Verse 31, and by chance a priest was going down on that road. Now the priest, this is a religious guy. And when he saw him, he sees the man on the road. And he passed by on the other side. This is like a church person. A church person walking down the road. And he sees the man. The man's dying. And he goes, goes around him the church person does but Jesus isn't done yet 
Verse 32. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Another, this is a Levite. He operates in the temple service there. He's a, he's a church person. And here's these two church people professing to know Yahweh God. They come by and they see him. They go, mm. and they loophole it. Either they're thinking, and I can't tell you what they're, but they're thinking, too dangerous. I'm too busy. It's inconvenient. The man's naked. What if he's a Samaritan or a Gentile? If I touch him, I'm unclean. Nah. So they pass on the other side and they keep on going. Can I tell you what's interesting about that? That you will not find in the story, but you'll find in the Old Testament to help the story? The priest and the Levite, if you ever go to Jerusalem, you're going to go to the Western Wall. And you'll see them mostly there. But they have these things called phylacteries. You'll find them in the Old Testament. They wear them on the, on the right arm here in the bicep area. It's like a square uh, leather pouch wrapped around here. Or else they wear them on their forehead. And they, they tie them here. They either here or here they wear them. Inside are little uh, scripture pieces of scripture inside there. Certain scriptures they would carry. Two of the scriptures that they would carry in the phylacteries are found Deuteronomy 6.5 Love the Lord your God with the heart, mind, soul, and spirit. The other, another one is Leviticus 19.18 says Love your neighbor as yourself. You could say it like this. They go to church. They read the Bible. Oh, maybe they read the Bible. They get taught the Bible. They say, I believe in the Bible. I even carry it with me. But when it comes down to living it, love God, love my neighbor, nah. Nah. No incarnation. No evidence of it. No compassion. I'm just going to walk around the guy. Just forget about the guy. Because I don't know what could happen. Verse 33. Jesus continues the story. And now he's going to drill down. But a Samaritan. Now stop. If you're there with Jesus, listen, you're a Jewish man. And when Jesus uses the word Samaritan, now a Samaritan, what do you think these Jews thought when Jesus says, and a Samaritan? What do you think they thought? not our ethnicity who was on a journey notice I didn't say they're not our race that's a lie there's one race the human race with a bunch of ethnicities we've all come from Adam and Eve which means we're all relatives whoever you married remember is a relative distant but a relative <laughs> I gotta pound that in because they pound in the lies to us out there but a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him and when he saw him he looked at the man and he felt what? compassion oh no now we're going to see compassionate action there's something going to flow from this guy he felt compassion this is the driving force in the man's life verse 34 <clears throat> and came to him 
and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Huh. So the Samaritan comes up to the man. He sees the man dying on the road. And he pulls out his medicine kit to help the man. Question, why is a Samaritan carrying a medicine kit? Who is it for? Who was it for? Himself. Because what if he got jumped? What if he got injured? What if something happened to him? He had a medicine kit for himself. So now he pulls out his medicine kit for himself, and he's going to help the man. He takes him to an inn. Now don't think of an inn like the Holiday Inn or whatever, okay? Don't think like that. This is a dirt trail. You're walking through there, and this is a Jewish area, and there are no hotels. Don't think of it like that. There are settlements there where they would be hospitable and receive you, but there's no hotel or stuff like that there. Think of the inn that way. So this man takes him to one of these settlements. Now, now think. The settlements are Jewish. What is the man? Samaritan. Would it be kind of dangerous for him to go there? You better believe it would be kind of dangerous. And he spends money on the man. He spends money on the man. Now don't you think. Because here's where Jesus is taking us. Compassion. Leaves a Samaritan to take time out of his busy life. Oh, Jim, I'm, t- I'm too busy to get involved. Who's running your life, you or Jesus? He takes time out of his busy life. He uses his own medical resources. He takes a man, puts him on his beast. The man's bloody. It'd be like, you're going to pick up the guy, put him in your... 2022 Corvette and put him bloody in there. He gets to the settlement there where they receive him. He gives the person, here's some money. Two denarius, two days worth of, of uh, wages. Take this, help the man. He gives him money. Which, by the way, why do we tithe? So that the inn can take care of people, see them saved, and bring them to spiritual maturity. Amen to that one? That's why you tithe. The man risks his life because he could go there and he's a, he's a Samaritan. They don't want him around there. So he's, he's risking it. Guys, question. Is that as opposite as it can get? It's opposite, man. But that's the incarnation. The flow of Jesus living in us. Coming out of us. How else are we going to save the world? But back to the question. Because remember, the question was asked at the beginning. The question was, who's my neighbor? Now go look at 36, 37. Jesus says this, questions this. Which of these three, priest, Levite, Samaritan, which of these three do you think proved, evidence, proof, evidence, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the man who asked the question, He has only one response because he knows there's only one response because Jesus has painted it well. And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Oh. Listen, friends. As a follower of Christ, 
God didn't send Jesus to please you or to please me. God sent Jesus to teach you and me how to please God. It's not about us. It's not about me running my life. It's, it's about Jesus. The priest, the Levite, found the loophole, pleased himself. The Samaritan shut out the loophole. He's going to please God because there's a man there who needs ministry, who needs help. Now, our series, our little three-week series finishes right now. And two weeks ago, I did, and then last week, Pastor Charlie did. We challenge you. Help us serve. We have those billboard little things out there with all the serving areas. Many of you took the cards. Make sure you follow up. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You said yes, it's yes. But some of us never did. And we still have some cards out there, some positions. They need to be filled. If we're going to reach people for Jesus Christ. What I'm asking you is, quit walking on the other side of the road and acting like nobody needs any help. Quit doing that. Start doing something. Do the opposite. I shared this thing, oh man, six years ago, seven years ago, I'm going to share it again. The New Testament in Hebrews chapter 1, it, it tells us that as a follower of Christ, that we all have guardian angels, correct? I have the Holy Spirit living in me, so do you, and we have guardian angels. That's pretty cool, huh? And our guardian angels, I like to say, like, they're packing, okay? They're guarding us, they're packing. But here's my question, and I asked this six years ago. Is your guardian angel bored? Is he bored? Is he turning to the Holy Spirit at times saying, can we get a trade here? Because this guy, this guy, they're doing nothing. They're not even injured, but they put themselves on the injured reserve list. They're not going to do anything. Jesus, can I get somebody else? I want to get on with this kingdom stuff. I want somebody who's going to step out there. Is your guardian angel bored? Because you haven't done anything. You're not stepping out, you're not serving, you're not doing anything. Just more Bible studies, more. It's time to step out. Jesus told the man, go and do the same. He tells us, go and do the same. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to let the flow and the love of Jesus, which is the compassion of God, flow through us. That's the motivator. And when that motivator's right, our thinking's right, the motivation's right, then we're going to start doing these things. And living, the evidence will be there. The proof that I love God is that I love my neighbor. And that moves me to serve and to help and to do something to help other people. Go and do the same. Amen. I'm done. Series over. Del Campo out. Stand up. Let's pray. Stand up. No, I'm not going to pray. I've already told you enough.
you got options now. Those things are out there. You go look at it. If you're just going to fly right by, say, okay, then just tell yourself, priest, Levite, boom, gone. Go out there and take a look and see where. Every one of those things, you, they're not going to throw you out there by yourself and go, well, figure it out, buddy. No. I can help you. Check it out. Also, if you need prayer for anything, people will be right up here to pray for you. You have physical offering, that door, that door. I appreciate your tithes. Boy, do I appreciate that. Remember, tomorrow night, sexual identity seminar. Motivational gifts test, go get them for Tuesday night. And next week, we start the Book of Acts, The Arrival. But go out there and check it out and sign up and volunteer for summer. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. Have a great, great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.